Welcome to Above the Rim, episode 21. Brought to you by your host, Justin, aka Just Blaze. And my special guest this week is my boy Christian from According to Sources Podcast. Christian, thank you for joining me today from the Shot Town. Appreciate you coming through, my brother. <laughs> I appreciate the invitation, man. How's it going up there in New York? Oh, everything is good. We actually got some good weather, pretty warm in the Chi Town. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was kind of windy today, though, man. Oh, well, you know that's the Windy City. (laughs) 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 You know that's the Windy City. Yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. So you can find Above the Rim on iTunes, Stitcher, Dash Radio every Tuesday at almightyballer.com slash above the rim. Make sure you give that five-star rating for your boy. You can also find me on Twitter at JustBlaze underscore 513. And Chris, where can they find you on Twitter, my man? Uh, two underscores, Christian with no I at the end. Christian with no I at the end. <laughs> <laughs> hey, ask my mom, man. She want to name me that. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So, Chris, 2017 NBA draft came and gone. The draft was pretty decent. You know, a lot of young talent ready to make their mark on the NBA. It's a pretty, fairly decent draft as well, in my mind. You know what I mean? The only good TV we got during the draft was probably uh, my man LaVar saying that he spoke to Zeus, saying he spoke to the Almighty. <laughs> my man, did you um, did you expect Lonzo, I mean, excuse me, LaVar to do anything else crazy or that was just about right? That was just about right. I mean, I think I think it was about for that didn't do too much because this is like kind of like the first big night of Lonzo's NBA career. Mm-hmm. And I think like he he knew he knew where to draw the line that that one night. Uh, yeah, I give him credit. He was he was pretty behaved. Did you hear also that he was getting booed out there at the Barclays too when he was on the walkout? Did you hear that? Yep. Yeah, I don't understand it though, man. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get the hate. That's, I don't get the hate either. You know, uh, you know us. We big. Big baller brand fans out here. I'm a big LeVar brand, LeVar fan. I love what he stands for as a father. You know, he's there for his sons. He just instilling some confidence in his young boys. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that at all. Not wrong with that at all. Y'all gotta cut my man LeVar some slack, but he does need to cut down the really? prices on, on them, uh, them Zo 2s, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. I, I'm not paying for an house for no gym shoes, but <laughs> I'm not paying for an house for. That. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, they they are, right, but they're not fly enough for no five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollars. You gotta chill out on that, man. So, the NBA draft, like I said last week, surprise picks. I was actually surprised with one team. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start you off here, Chris. My surprise at this draft was the damn Knicks. The Knicks surprised me and disappointed me. The Knicks tape, as we know, the Knicks draft uh Frank, what's his last name? No, uh, Natil Kinner. I think his last name. The point guard from France. Um, yeah. Yeah, and he uh, the Knicks picked him with the eighth pick. I think he's a six-five point guard. I was upset with the Knicks, man. I wanted them to get Malik Monk or Dennis Smith Jr. I feel like those were excellent picks for the Knicks. I think they messed up right there. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think the Knicks are obviously in a rebuild because they're not going to say they are, but they are. I think Malik Monk, with his shooting ability, and he was easily probably the best shooter in the draft. I think that shooting would have... That shooting would have helped that team get some extra wins immediately rather than a player that needs to be developed and trained. And This draft is pretty young, but I think Malik Monk shooting would have put the Knicks up maybe three, four, next season. Of course, yeah. I mean, this was the... I think they had it as the youngest draft in uh, NBA history, matter of fact, I think. The most freshmen drafted in the first round. All time, that's that's big, and I think the Knicks. Well, I, th- I mean, I know Phil loves to go the European route, but I feel like Frank he he's going to uh, he's going to take too long. I feel like to get his game together. I think he's going to take too many years to develop. I, I feel like he wouldn't strongly contribute till about four years out. You know, Knicks fans are hungry, hungry, yeah. hungry, man. I mean, any uh, surprises for you, Chris, in this draft? Well, um. I do have a pretty, a pretty big surprise, but kind of no one's gonna expect it. Okay. That second, that second round pick. I mean, second round pick. Uh, they picked at sixteen. The Bulls traded to Golden State 
to Jordan Bill. Oh yeah. I really like I really like that pickup, man. I really like that pickup. And I really mm-hmm. I really think the Warriors stole this draft because if you think about it, the draft is mentioned that year the Warriors are already great. They just needed one more player. That player was Jordan Bell. They needed someone that's come off the bench, someone that can rebound, something that's a defensive prowess in the paint. And they already had that in uh, they already got that in Draymond, but they needed another guy. And JaVale isn't exactly that guy, and uh, Pachulia is not that guy. But I feel like Jordan Bell could play that second Draymond role. Oh, he definitely could. He's he's high energy. Jordan Bell's another high yeah. energy guard that they high energy guy that they need. I mean. The Bulls, the Bulls messed up right there. I mean, I know they needed the money, I guess, right now, or they're being cheap. Yeah. But they, I, I was disappointed with them when they did basically give him for nothing. So three, what was it? Three point five million? That's nothing for the Warriors. That's championship money. Million. Yeah, that's champion. That's playoff money they giving. They giving to the Bulls for that. For for actually a rotational player, that was that was terrible on their part. I was definitely surprised at that too. The Bulls could have used them though, honestly. The Bulls could have used them. They really could have. Yeah. I mean, Jordan, he has a, he has, a, he has the potential to be a double-double machine. And they, like I said, the Warriors need another defensive president. The paint, they got that in him. And with him being the second rounder, that means Golden State doesn't have to shovel out that much money to get him. Exactly. So that's a win-win either, either way. Exactly. That's a win-win either way. I, I, I was disappointed with the Bulls for that, but we're going to get to the Bulls a little later because, you know, we, this is going to be <laughs> a definitely a Bulls talking episode from the shot town over here, man. <laughs> so um, my winner for this draft, I actually have a tie for the teams that I feel won this year's draft. So the two teams that I feel won this year's draft were the Charlotte Hornets and the Los Angeles Lakers. The Hornets got of uh, my shooting guard uh, Malik Monk at the yep. 11th pick, I believe. And also, they got Florida State shooting guard Dwayne Bacon as well. I think at the 40th pick or something like that. And also, you can consider this. You can you can consider this part of their draft. They also got Dwight Howard. They also traded for Dwight Howard. So I'm counting him him as well in there. Basically, their draft day pickups. And also for the Lakers, you know, they got of course Lonzo Ball. They got uh, I think his name is Kyle Kuzma. And also, uh, Villanova got Josh Hart. So I think both of those teams actually drafted needs. I think uh, the Hornets have another guard that they can play with Kemba because Kemba needed a shooter and a scorer next to him. He had to do too much. So I feel like Malik Monk is perfect for the Hornets. I think he gives them another shooter, another scorer. And then Dwight Howard will give them a little paint presence that they never had before. So what do you think about that, Chris? Well, I, I really do think that the uh, Hornets, they got to steal and move. I can't believe so many other teams passed up on them. That's first. I can't believe and that. And I was like, wow, the Bulls had that pick and they didn't draft them. I mean, the great things about this uh, this guy from Arizona, I don't know ball, but I've seen some highlights and he's got some, he's got some handles. I think he could be a type of... Um, Chris Porzingis type of player. He has the shooting, he has the movement, and he has a really good pick, pick and roll. So I think that's going to work with Chris Dunn leading the team. Uh, I think they're going to keep D Wade the shooting guard, but I think that um, that'd be a, that's, that's really good. But um, I don't know, man. That you, was that was pretty crazy. You talking about the Bulls pick right here? No, the um, the guy they drafted, and remember. Um, Charlotte drafted Malik Monk. Yeah, I can't. I can't believe the Bulls passed Malik up. Oh, Malik Monk oh, up to get up him. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right about that. They definitely had an opportunity to get him. Definitely did. And um, I don't really think the White Howard is that type of player now. That his career to boost the team up to championship level, but I do think that is a major upgrade over the Tyler Hansboroughs and the. The Chris Wilcox of the world, you know? And the Spencer Horses of the world. I mean, I mean, come on, he's definitely upgraded. I mean, I agree with you there. I'm not going nowhere near championship now for the Hornets, but I think they they can at least make the playoffs now. I think they can at least give me an eighth seed, depending depending on the rest of the East, but I think it's possible. I mean, I mean, Malik is still a rookie, you know. I'm, I'm not jumping off the handles now saying he's about to hit you with 20 a night. But yeah. I, th- I think he'll be a viable threat on the Hornets. You know, I think he's, I think he's pretty NBA, 
NBA ready, as we call him, I feel like. I think he is. I definitely think of Um also, uh, also, I feel like the Lakers won this draft as well. I mean, of course, Lonzo Ball, to me, he was the, he's the best point guard in the draft. To me, in a close second is De'Aaron Fox. And then I have Fultz as my number the three, third best point guard in the draft. Number three? Number three. I got him at three. I didn't see enough from him at Washington. What Where you got him ranked at? Uh, I got Lonzo at one, but I've got Fultz at two and De'Aaron Fox at three. Okay, so you just swapping basically Fultz and Fox. Exactly. Oh, okay, so so matter matter of fact, we might as well get into that there because since we talked about those three point guards that got drafted, um, I feel like that might be might be a budding rivalry from here on on in the years to come in the draft because I feel like those mm-hmm. three are matched up evenly well, and I think they're fully aware of becoming rivals. So I think that's actually going to be an interesting point guard rivalry going forward. You know, Fox, I feel like is low-key hating on Lonzo with the spotlight he's been getting so far. What do you think about that? I can feel it a little bit because I feel like yeah, that last game they played against Kentucky and Kentucky against UCLA. Yeah. I mean, Fox was giving them the business, if oh, you remember it. The business. The business. <laughs> the business. They thrash into the room. Yeah, most definitely. So who do you think would have the best NBA career out of those three when it's all said and done? Fultz, Lonzo, and Fox. I'd say Fultz because I think he's a better all-around player. Uh, in this defense, you don't have to question it because he's a proven defender on the perimeter and inside the paint. Um, he, he's 6'4", 6'5". Yeah, 6'5", I think, yeah. He's a seven-foot wingspan, so you can essentially guard the one, two, and three if necessary. And that's valuable. He's better at creating his own shot. And Fultz is also, I didn't really hear any broadcasters bring it up, but he's definitely the better athlete of all these three guards. I mean, De'Aaron Fox is a great defender. He's one of, probably going to be a really good two-way point guard. But that translates to athleticism, man. Like I said before, Michael Falls, he's six four, six five, that's seven for the wingspan. That makes a difference. And the, people are forgetting De'Aaron Fox can't shoot. I mean, he went from twenty four point six percent yeah, his first year at Kentucky. That's not that's not gonna lead an NBA offense. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. not gonna cut it, man. No, nah, of course not. It's definitely not gonna cut it. His I mean, he's definitely more his game is more predicated on athleticism more of a slasher type I mean he has he definitely has to work on his shot a little bit I mean he has a decent mm-hmm. mid-range but he definitely couldn't improve a whole lot more but I feel like he has to improve a lot more on his uh, point guard skills I think basically in his in his uh, game running a team and running an offense that's where I think Lonzo excels at and that's where I why I believe he'll have the best career out of the three because I feel like Lonzo can lead a team at his young age of, uh, I think he's, what, 19 or something like that. I think he definitely yep. can lead a team right now. And I think with him, he's more willing to lead a team. He wants that leadership role, even though it might be LeVar saying it. But I feel like LeVar is speaking for Lonzo and he's instilling that leadership and that confidence in his boy. So I give him respect for that. And also... um, Magic Johnson, he also sees Lonzo as a leader as well. I mean, he had those comments about D'Angelo Russell lately that um, he was looking for a leader. He basically said that D'Lo wasn't that leader that he wants. What what were you thinking when you heard that, Chris? I'll tell you two things. One, that made me severely not like Magic Johnson already as a front office type. Damn, already? D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> Already, D'Angelo, dude, D'Angelo Russell, a 21 year old kid. He's played, what, two, two professional kids in the NBA? Yeah. Two, maybe? Yeah. I mean, you can't expect someone to just come in and just automatically be yourself. You can't expect someone to come in and automatically be John Stockton. That's not how the NBA works. <laughs> He's not LeBron James. True, true, true. You're, true. you're, you're expecting soy milk from a regular cow. That's not how that works. <laughs> Boy, if you don't get. That's true, that's true. But where I well, I'll play devil's advocate here is what uh what Magic is trying to say basically, but I agree as well is that D he lost the locker room, man. I mean, I understand he still had time to grow. 
He's still what, 21 mm. or 20, but he lost the locker mm. lost the locker room and the respect of his teammates. And as a point guard, if your troops are not there to go to battle with you 100% of the time, if they're looking at you a little sideways, if they got a slight little side eye of you, and they didn't fully trust him with all of what is uh, recording skills, they didn't trust him. So I feel like that's why I think he messed up. And I think he I think he had to go at that point. I mean, it basically was it, it was a wound basically on on in the Lakers locker room that only could be fixed if Russell was moved. And I think Magic saw the guys. I think he probably individually spoke to him about that particular incident when he first got there. And I think maybe mm-hmm. his teammates still had a little bit of resentment toward that or they still are harboring those feelings for Russell. So as a point guard, you got to have control over your locker room. And the respect of your teammates. So I feel like he had to go. I don't. I, I don't fault Magic for saying that. You, you you upset at Magic for saying that? I'm not. I'm not upset at that. I'm upset at the leadership part. Oh, okay. I, like I said, um, I do think. I do think eventually the Lakers are going to draft Lonzo. I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. It's been in the right. It's been in the right on the wall for a minute now. But the way Magic handled that. He could have handled that a lot better. Yeah. I do agree. I do agree. Daniel Russell had to go. The whole locker situation, lost the locker room, the whole thing with Nick Young and making it even worse. About commenting on it. Even after that happened, people getting commented on it, like a press conference, and it was even worse. Yeah. But <laughs> the way Ma- Magic, Magic is a girl, man. Magic could have handled that a little bit more than throwing, throwing a kid under the bus, essentially, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I definitely agree. So, that's a wrap to the draft. So, I'm giving the uh, the young boys much respect, and hopefully they have a good season. I, any pick? What's your pick for Rookie of the Year? Well, put it on wax. Who's your pick? Rookie of the Year? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I think Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson. Okay. He's going to be ready. He's going to make a difference for that, uh, that Sun scene, man. Okay, okay, I give it. I'm actually gonna give it to Lonzo. I'm I'm high on Lonzo right now, man. I'm actually gonna give. It to, I think for him to win Rookie of the Year, he's probably gotta get you. Uh, let's see, yeah. Four, fourteen or fifteen and five assists. I think would get him the Rookie of the Year. I think. And if he does get the, the Lakers into the playoffs, I think he's definitely getting Rookie of the Year. If he does get the oh, Lakers. Definitely. So I, that's what I think uh, Lonzo's barometer is. So I'm going to go Lonzo. I'm, I'm rooting for him for rookie of the year. I want to see him flourish. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to go with Lonzo. I'm going to go with Lonzo. So, um, so, Chris, the big news, draft night, was not even the draftees. It was the big time trade from your Bulls and those T-Wolves. <laughs> My man Jimmy Boy gets traded to the T-Wolves. With also, I think, with uh, Creighton Center, the 16th pick, Justin Patton. The Bulls acquired uh, Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and also Arizona Ford, uh, Laurie McCainan. Marconin. Am I saying his name right? Marconin? I think so. Yeah, Marconin, yeah. So the Bulls acquired them. So a very, I was actually very shocked at this trade. I was not expecting that trade to go down. I mean, I honestly thought Jimmy was going to get traded this offseason, but I didn't think draft night, and I definitely didn't think to the T-Wolves. That was a very uh, interesting spot. Even even though I knew Tibbs is there, and I knew he wanted to acquire Jimmy, D-Rose, his old bull players back, mm-hmm. I didn't think that would, it would happen at that point in time. So, as a Bulls fan, you... Chris, what was your initial reaction when you heard the news? You was happy, sad, mad. What are you thinking? You know, I was I was pretty up on the train when I saw, when I first heard about it. I'm like, okay, we traded Jimmy. We got who? We got Chris Dunn. We got Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. And you know, we got that uh that pick. And I was thinking about it, like this is pretty good. This is pretty good because this entire past NBA season. Initial. This is your uh, initial reaction. Your first reaction. That was my that was my initial reaction. Okay, okay. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, it was I was pretty good on the trade, you know. Just this entire season we've been talking about um, on the corner sources, where is Jimmy gonna go? Who are we gonna trade him for? I hope we get what we what he's worth and not just what someone thinks he's worth. Mm-hmm. Because I may not like 
I may not think Jimmy is a superstar. I don't think he's that one player that can immediately impact your team, make you a contender. I think he's a cornerstone. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. He's one of he's the third, third probably best two way player in the league behind LeBron and Kawhi. Okay, but I'm I, I don't think this trade could have been as great as it could have been. For you, you mean for the Bulls or for the team? For the Bulls. For the Bulls. It's, it's, okay. a, steal. it's a steal for the T Wolves. The people who get that Jimmy Butler is a pretty reasonable contract. Yeah. That's not outlandish. And um, they still they 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 won this trade. I don't think the Bulls won this trade. You get Zach Levine, who's recovered from the ACL. Mm-hmm. You get Chris Dunn, that's basically a dud his first year. I do think Chris Dunn has the potential to be a great player but right now I don't think he has that mm-hmm. it might take him a year season or two that's I but, mm-hmm. go ahead um, the two holes are ready to, to win now I mean they've made some pretty good strides they did the whole thing with Andrew Wiggins they got Cat and they were talking about this earlier about Rubio or should they go for George <laughs> Hill or somebody yeah, yeah we, we got and, a, lot, uh, a lot of different opinions on Rubio man <laughs> yeah, man. That whole Rubio situation, I I don't see anyone out there that's worth it. If you're going to replace your point guard or replace someone on your team, mm-hmm. no, replace them knowing that you replace them with something better. I don't think George Hill or any other free agent point guard right now Oh, oh we going to get Rubio. there, Chris. Oh, we're going to have a strong debate about who, who, who we think the TiVo should acquire. Now, we're going to have an interesting <laughs> debate about that. I'll tell you that. But going, but going, uh, Back to the Bulls. I, I I mean, I agree with you there. I think the T-Wolves won this trade because it was a steal for the T-Wolves. And the Bulls, uh, I'm not, not going to lie to you. I wasn't, I wasn't really crazy about the Bulls' return for Jimmy. I feel like they could have gotten more for basically a top 15, top 10, top 15 player in the league, which is Jimmy Butler. I feel like you could have mm-hmm. gotten back a bigger Hall for him. I, I think Zach Levine, he's coming off his uh, ACL injury, if I'm not mistaken. He's still coming off that. I mean, you get a promising young guy in uh, Chris Dunn, an excellent young piece. Mm-hmm. He hasn't shown you much on a pro level so far, but he's still young. He's he's only about a year in. Only a year in, Chris Dunn. So he still has a lot of time to grow. And with the Bulls in full rebuild mode, as we are learning now, they are now in full rebuild mode. I think uh, Chris Dunn might be a nice piece for them going forward. But I'm honestly, my, my issue in this trade was with Zach Levine. I don't feel like Zach Levine is enough for Jimmy Butler. I mean, but there wasn't much for the T-Wolves to give up, basically. They wasn't giving up Wiggins. If I was a Bulls, I would have asked for Wiggins. I would have seen if there's any way, shape, or form I could get Wiggins for a Jimmy Butler. But I can understand why T-Wolves didn't want to go that route. But I, I still feel like the Bulls could have gotten a lot more. Think about um, how the Kings. I mean, they also got robbed also for Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins. When they traded their superstar, they got robbed, basically. Um, Buddy Heal and a couple of picks. I feel like Definitely. they could have like gotten more as well. So I'm basically comparing those two trades together. I mean, the Bulls got still got back a little bit more than, let's say, the Kings got back. But I still think they could have got back more and it just goes to show the relationship between Jimmy Butler and the Bulls front office has really tampered over the last few years Gar Farmer, John Paxson that front office is in disarray right now Chris, disarray definitely and um, earlier in the season there was reports of Gar Farmer and John Paxson trying to trade Jimmy to Boston yeah. for um, draft pick and um the one player that helped the deal up, guess who it was? Who was that? Jay Crowder. The Bulls and Celtics said no. So Gar Foreman and John Pax, the little 1Bs that they are, away from that trade. Yeah. Over Jay Crowder. They, 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 put, they put their feelings ahead of what's doing right for the franchise, I feel like. I think they rushed this trade. I mean, you didn't really have to trade Jimmy draft night you still could have waited out to free agency waited till teams got desperate who see who struck out on free agency and maybe gotten a better deal i still feel like they could have pried something away from boston boston would have been the best trade team with anyone honestly if they were trading so whoever trades with boston 
I feel like it's definitely going to get the most return or the most bang for their buck with trading back this, trading away the superstar. So I feel like the Bulls messed up right there. But Jimmy, though, after he, um, when he got traded, he was uh, out there in Patty with D, with D Wade. <laughs> and, um, he was, he was a little tight, man. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy boy was very salty when the trade went down. I was reading, did you hear the quote from Jimmy? I got to hear. Um, Jimmy. Hey, yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah, Jimmy was, he was really upset about it. And, very, um, very. I don't know if you heard about this trainer, but this trainer tweeted out a tweet basically saying he knows drug dealers yeah. with more. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's 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 deep. What that he said he knows he knows drug dealers with more what? What do you say, drug dealers with more um, with more uh, um, I can talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> listen, man, <laughs> he was bugging out with that one, but J- Jimmy was tight. Um, I saw his quote. I actually have the quote here from uh, Jimmy. With what he said after the trade, he said, "I and I quote, I guess being called the face of an organization isn't as good as I thought. We all see where being the so-called face of the Bulls got me. So let me be just a player for the T-Wolves. That's all I want to do. I just want to be winning games, do what I can for my respective organization, and let them realize what I'm trying to do. So a couple shots fired to the Bulls front office from my man Jimmy Boy. I mean, um, I, I definitely think he was very uh, surprised by the trade. I, I don't think he knew at all or thought at all that he was going to get traded. Why was he so blindsided, though? Or is he just a little bit salty that he's leaving? I think it's both because I think Jimmy, when first trade talks about Jimmy this summer, started ramping up about last week, about last week, two weeks ago. It was first Cleveland, remember? They yeah. were like, there's a possibility going to go to Cleveland. And then Jimmy came out in Chicago. I love Chicago. This is my city. And I, first of all, this is not your city. That's, <laughs> this is still D-Goes in the city. Let's just get that straight. That's it. <laughs> Talk about it. The first, the first, the first AV says Mike. So let's not, let's, not get, let's not let it go to your head. But um, okay. I don't think that he knew about it. I really think they they, they caught him off guard with this, and he was salty about it. I mean, you want to get traded away from a team they've been with since what seven? He's been to seven years, six years. Mm-hmm. He spent the majority of this season here. Definitely, definitely. But but he is going to a better team now. Let's not forget that he is going to a better team. So that's why I feel like he shouldn't be as salty. I mean, he. he but mm-hmm. I could see his point. I mean, he's going to the West. Might be a little harder to get on the all-star team. Maybe he's thinking about that. It's a lot, it's a tougher road through the playoffs. It might be a tougher season overall. But he does have better talent on that team. And I mean, did he honestly think he was gonna spend his entire career with the Bulls? I don't know how he could have thought that, because I don't think there's any way we thought that. I, I knew eventually he was gonna get moved. Get Of course. Yeah, so I don't understand why he's so surprised. I mean, this is a business at the end of the day. He, he definitely had to have some type of inkling that he was moving. I guess maybe we're going to go maybe the route of the Tibbs factor, maybe Tom Thibodeau. Do you think he's that excited to play for Tom Thibodeau? I do think he is because I remember when um, Thibodeau was first fired by Foreman and Paxson mm-hmm. that Jimmy was one of the main outspoken players. I was the most upset about that. It was yes. Jimmy. Yes. Rose was upset about it, but Jimmy and Joaquin Noah are the most like get thought about it. Yeah. And I don't know if you watch enough Bulls games during Hoiberg's first season, but mm-hmm. you can see the tense, the tenseness in between Jimmy and Hoiberg. Oh yeah. Because Jimmy's used to being the star of the team. He's used to doing what he wants to, and used to being that. The guy on defense, the guy everybody relies on. And now here comes Hoiberg with this running gun West Coast ball type of system. <laughs> and it doesn't fit Jimmy. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it definitely wasn't his Jimmy's strengths. Great, but, exactly. Jimmy's a great player, but he's not exactly an athlete. He's an athlete, but he's not athletic. Mm-hmm. And that didn't translate well in the Hoiberg system. But him going up to Minnesota with Dibs? Watch out. Seriously, watch out. Oh, watch out. Watch out for that. Listen, the T-Wolves have a, a pretty high ceiling for next year. I mean, we're still going to give them a, l- a little bit of time. They still have Cat is still a young guy. Wiggins is still a young guy as well. But we're actually going to yeah. talk about the T-Wolves right now. I'm, I'm a, you tell me what you think 
about how I feel about the T-Wolves. I like the trade initially, right? But I still have some, a little bit of reservations with the T-Wolves. So breaking down this Jimmy Butler to the T-Wolves trade, I'm worried about the offensive fit between Wiggins and Butler, right? So let me explain. So you know Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, has to be a number one option. He gets most of the low post touches. Wiggins operates on the low post as well, mid post. You know, um, he does. He definitely does a lot of back downs as well, surveying the defense, and as well, meaning every everyone else has to stand around when either one of those two try to start to to low post. And it's a different type of movement here in uh in Minnesota. I'm I'm worried about the offense being a tad bit stagnant with those low post touches. And Jimmy Butler is not to say the best standstill spot up three point shooter. So I feel like he might have a little trouble becoming more a decoy at times or being just a standstill shooter. What do you think about that? That's because if you think about the Wiggins and Butler are really the same player. Yeah, very and similar. They jump, their jump shooting isn't stellar. They're great on defense and they're reliable on offense. Mm-hmm. They're the same player. Mm-hmm. And that's why I kind of didn't want them to trade for Wiggins because yeah. I don't really see what you're gaining. You're getting these same players just a lot younger. If they make it work, man, I, I think Thibs can do it. I think Thibs can do it. Thank but mm-hmm. that's, that's not an easy task because there's so many players on that team that need the touches. Where are they going to get them from? Exactly. Listen, I, I, listen. Wiggins still is, uh, I think he's 21, I believe. So Wiggins has a lot of time to grow. And his offensive game has not even blossomed yet to what it needs to be and what we all think is going to be. So because of that, I feel like now with Jimmy coming on board, it turns him into the third option. And with being a third option, that's less touches. I mean, he, he, he might not even get 20 touches a night. He, he, some nights he might have to fall back a little bit. Let's say, for instance, someone else gets hot. If Cat is hot, if Butler's hot, Butler is an alpha. Well, Butler is not a beta type of player. So Wiggins yeah. is more of a, a beta type personality. So I feel like Jimmy Butler will come in there and he will take more of a leadership role. And I think Tibbs will empower him to take that leadership role, which also, which ultimately bumps Andrew Wiggins down to the third option. And I think uh, Wiggins now, for his career, he's been more of a ball-dominant scorer, pretty much, rather rather than the all-around two-way player that we want him to be, or which he what he eventually will become. And I think him and Jimmy are gonna have major growing pains to start out uh, their season. I think they're gonna have some major growing pains. I still think um, they might occupy the same points of the court. I mean, Cat could step out, but we need Cat to get those low post touches. You think they're going to have some growing pains, uh, Wiggins and Butler? Oh, definitely. I compare it to when um, New Orleans traded for Marcus Cousins, and they had both AD and Cubs yep. together. Yep. AD may be a nice, he may have some wing game, he has a nice jump shot, but at the end of the day, he's still a big man. He dominates in the paint. Yeah. You can't put two of those bodies in the same position really. and that's what they're doing up in Minnesota now with Jimmy Bumber and Andrew Wiggins and I don't know how they're going to do it it's going to be stressful for a while but I can imagine all that all those bodies on the court just I don't know how they're going to do it exactly. it's going to be hard definitely yeah there might not be a lot of space I mean they're basically turning into a slashing team and say for instance let's say for argument's sake their roster stands packed right now uh, Jang at the power forward position. I mean, uh, he doesn't pump fear in the opposite in the opposing uh, players' hearts. I tell you that right now. So, with with that being said, him and Rubio might be the weakest link on the court. And Rubio, if he's just starting point guard going into next season, he's not necessarily an offensive threat from the floor. Players tend to sag off of Rubio. They sag off of him like how they sag off of Rondo. And if Jimmy's a slasher, Wiggins is a slasher, Cat is occupying the low post, you need someone to stretch out that defense at that three-point line. And I don't think Rubio is your guy, but you do, right? Um, not necessarily. I don't think Rubio is the answer. I okay. just don't think that replacing him, you'll find anything better out there at the point guard slot. So you don't think, because- you don't think Patty Mills is an upgrade or George Hill or Drew Holiday? Over Rubio? 
I've not really I'll explain to you why oh, okay with those other players you just mentioned George Hill Drew Holiday I don't think those personalities will mesh well in those games George Hill was a slasher as well he's got a shot but if you really need a three point shooting point guard you need someone to facilitate that offense and Jimmy is not facilitating anybody Jimmy is out for Jimmy and Jimmy is out for the people in the post that's who he is. That's how I've learned to cope with Jamie's game. Yeah, but in a half court offense, though, he he can uh, handle some ball responsibly, re- ball responsibility duties in a half court. Oh, def- oh definitely. Okay. But do you really want Jamie handling the ball twenty four seven and facilitating? Of, of course not. But George Hill, George Hill is there. George Hill could uh, get the offense into their sets. Drew Holiday definitely can get the offense into his sets. I mean, Rubio is 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 a mar. I'm, I don't think I would even call him a marginal upgrade. I think Drew Holiday and George Hill are upgrade. I think they give you more of an offensive presence, which I think is what you need, and defensive presence. Actually, George Hill could guard those point guards. Rubio is getting cooked. Rubio is barbecue chicken against any one of the top point guards in the league. Uh, I mean, he, he was holding his own against a lot of point guards out in the West. I disagree. So I disagree. Really? Yeah. I, 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 Rubio, listen, I, I I looked at a lot of Rubio because I actually used to like him. I thought he would have been a good pickup for the Knicks. Um, mm-hmm. But I just, I just don't see the fight or the hunger from Rubio. I see he's just a bit too lackadaisical for me on the court at times. I, I don't see the aggressiveness from him. And I don't feel like he's going to fit the style of a Tibbs offense. Of Tibbs offense is a very physical team offensively and defensively. And I feel like that's what Minnesota suffered a lot. So I feel like they need to get an aggressive point guard. What about um what about Chubbs, Kyle Lowry? Um I think they have oh, they have the potential to get him. What do you think about Chubbs going in? If that happens, you all the men for the playoffs. That's just gonna yeah. happen because Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry is the businessman. I, I've always loved game, mm-hmm. but I just never liked his game in Toronto mm. because I just don't understand what what Demar Derozan is. I understand he's a shooting guard, but what what's his game? I've, I've never been a big Kyle fan Lowry of Demar. Derozan. I've never been a big fan of Demar Derozan. Honestly, I've never. I think his I mean, his mid-range game is excellent, but, I mean, he's too... Uh, I mean, to me, he's just a one-dimensional player in my mind. I mean, he's, he's good. He's, he's he's a great player. But, to me, he's a complimentary piece. He shouldn't be your number one or number two option, in in my estimation. I'm just not a big DeMar DeRozan fan. But, I, I mean, I mean, honestly, but... Kyle Lowry on the on the Wolves. I'm actually not crazy about Lowry on the Wolves either. I think that'll just be another ball dominating guard, ball dominating guard who's gonna also take away touches from Jimmy Wiggins and Cat. Wiggins might go down mm-hmm. to the fourth option. That's my my point with not wanting a Kyle Lowry. But I think the Wolves can't afford him. I think they have about twenty million dollars in cap space this offseason. But I mean, yeah. So so you think what about uh D Rose? On the T Wolves, what about that? Uh, that's the thing. I love D Rose. Don't get me wrong. That's my hometown boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think he has the wherewithal to start as a point guard anymore. Yeah, I don't think he should because for his own sake, you've already had what three major, four major knee injuries now. Too many. I would too love, many. Too many. I would love to see him come off the bench. Jamal Crawford had the role. Six man, give you those 20 points when you need it every now and then. Uh, oh, he Coach up the young guys. Excellent. He will be excellent, excellent off the bench. Excellent off the bench. I, I honestly, my pick for D Rose is to actually go to the Spurs. I actually want to see him on the Spurs. I think they will maximize his potential on the Spurs. He can start there or he can even uh he can come off the bench if he's willing to accept that. But I think he can actually start on the Spurs because it's more about the system on the Spurs so he wouldn't be allowed to dominate the ball like he wants to or he usually does so I think he'll be excellent fit there on a, with Popovich oh yeah yeah but earlier I, in this mm-hmm. earlier in the playoffs when I first heard of D-Rose and Spurs rumors and I'm a Spurs fan as well but Bulls always go first but Spurs are right there number two yeah. I was thinking about I, was, I, I like that option because 
pop has a history of helping players become better men for one and two better players yeah I really think you both the profit from that system oh yeah most definitely I 100% agree with you there Chris 100% agree so pulling back over to the Bulls really quick we're gonna talk about the Bulls off season as we remember Chris is from the Chi-Town you know so as we know D-Wade he opted in he took that uh took that change that $24 $24 million opt-in with the Bulls so, I mean, uh, but still the reports are that he might get a buyout and eventually leave the Bulls this offseason. Or he might just stay and be that veteran leadership or that veteran presence. So, Chris, as a Bulls fan, how do you feel about another rebuild now going forward? They had a few years of prominence and now it's rebuild time. What do you think about that? You see, that's the funny thing. You say another rebuild. Another. If you said if you said that to our front office, they'd be like, rebuild. This is the first rebuild. When they should have rebuilt it after Derrick Rose's second meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Four years rebuild. And I just don't understand how they think this is gonna work. Going about the first one, like I said earlier, they messed up with the trade. You started off with Yeah. Just I don't know how they're gonna start this up or redo thing, mm-hmm. but they have they have to go about it the right way. Yeah, because you can't just you can't just get a pencil and just write this down. Oh yeah, this is gonna work. This is gonna work. NBA works, and hopefully, I, hopefully someone realizes that that Jimmy trade was not probably the best idea. Yeah. As soon as someone admits that in that front office, then we can start talking about redo. Until that happens. It's just guard Foreman and John Paxson being guard Foreman and John Paxson. Yeah. I I agree there. So, do you think, um, who do you think the Bulls are going to make any noise in free agency? Go after anybody this summer? Do they need to? Uh, should they? I don't think they should. I don't think they should, to be honest. If this is a rebuild, then why are you going after top tier free agents? Mm. Maybe not a top tier. Maybe they could get a. I mean, I'm trying to remember who's on the market right now. There's, there's a lot of names on the market. I mean, they still have to make moves in order to win. Oh, well, or maybe, are you trying to say you'd rather them tank the season? Uh, I wouldn't say tank, but I'd rather them just keep the roster they got now. Because if you really committed to um, rebuilding for the future, then I would like to see them pull a, a, a 76 act. I'm going to go out there and say it. <laughs> Why not? Wait, say it, that one more time. Worth it. It's, it, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to admit it, but I mean, I wouldn't mind the Bulls put seventy six back and go out there and take it. I mean, look what they are yeah. now. They got, M, they got MB, they got Sarek, they got Markel Fultz. They got a team to build around now. Okay. They might think they might have to go that sixes right, that Jerry Colangelo route. <laughs> Man, I wouldn't have a problem with it because I know in the future that we're going to be better than we are now. Yeah. Me, my only issue with, I mean, it's not even actually the Bulls' fault. I mean, it's D-Wade opting in. I feel like they need to buy D-Wade out and set him free. Buy him out. Let him go. I, I don't want to see D-Wade rotting away over there in Chicago his last few years. Buy him out. You got that $3.5 million from the Warriors. Give it to D-Wade. Tell him, take this. Stretch out his contract and send him on his way, man. Don't let him rot. He's not needed. You don't need D-Wade to be a veteran presence right now. They don't need that. Oh, I disagree with you, man. We definitely need D-Wade. Ah, people don't realize that D-Wade, D-Wade, is our second production of offense. We need, we need his scoring out of Daniel Jones. We need him even more now. Yeah, but if, if you're trying to lose, then why do you need him? You said you want to lose. Why do you need him? I mean, if they buy him out, that's just a waste of money then. That's $27 million down the tank for a guy that's not playing for your team. Yeah, but it's stretched out. When they buy him out, they I get really to, they get they to stretch out, out their contract. So it won't hit them as hard. Oh, for real? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, when you that's the that's some of the terms of the buyout. This is allowed to them to stretch out their contract. They front you uh I think I think a lump sum, if I'm not mistaken, up front, and then they stretch out your contract over time. Mm-hmm. So that you're allowed to, so they can take you off the books, so it won't be as a penalty Ooh. toward you. So, I mean, I just hope D Wade don't don't rot over there in uh, Chicago. So, I hope to see him. D Wade, get out of there, man. 
You wait, get out of there. <laughs> get out of there. <laughs> so my man Chris, so now, so now it's gonna be time for the crossover segment. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Ah. We talking about practice. So the crossover segment this week, for Above the Rim listeners, I will be throwing out player comparisons. My guests, my man Chris acts as a GM, and he tells me who he would take out of the two in their primes. So this week, I'm gonna dig into the bag for this one, Chris. Are you taking a prime Chauncey Billups, Mr. Big Shot, or a prime Kyle Lowry? Now let me give you the career stats. Chauncey Billups, 15 a game, three rebounds, five assists, one steal, 41% from the floor, one-time champ, one-time finals MVP, five-time All-Star, Kyle Lowry, a.k.a. Chubbs, 14 a night, four rebounds, six assists, one steal, 42% from the floor, three-time All-Star. Who are you taking out of the two in their primes, Chris? Chauncey Billups or Kyle Lowry? Accolades aside, talent-wise, who you got? Talent-wise, I'm taking Chauncey. Take a Chauncey? No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Mm. Tell me why. As much as much as I like Kyle Lowry's game, I don't think he's an effective enough leader. Mm. And you can see that. You can see that in Toronto. Toronto, what, three of the last four straight years? Yep. I want to say. Yep. And, choked. Choked job. Choked. Just treat devastation. True leaders don't allow that to happen. No, uh, listen, listen, Chauncey Billups. Exactly. I heard, remember, you remember Kyle Lowry loves to say he wants to go to the locker room to um to decompress. You want to go there to decompress? Come on, fam. Just say you got a little <laughs> shook. You couldn't handle the pressure. You couldn't handle the crowd. You had to go back, call your mother real quick, get some little motivation, go pray. You 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 collapse, man. Every year, I'm sick of Kyle Lowry collapsing in the playoffs, man. Every year. Every year. Every year, man. Every year. I, I, I agree with you there. So I'm going Chauncey as well. I think Chauncey was a consummate leader, a, a great professional. He always came to work every night. And I think Chauncey was still a little bit underrated, even though he did get finals MVP. That one year, mm-hmm. I feel like people didn't give him enough credit for the totality of his career. I feel like they only know him for those Detroit Pistons years, which were, were his best years. But uh, Chauncey Billups had a his mid-range game, his post-up game, his three, and his facilitating abilities. Chauncey, Chauncey was big time, big time. Chauncey was definitely ahead of his time. Oh man, and the aspect of his game. And if you think about it, there wasn't really any dominant point guard at that back when Chauncey first came in the league. And Chauncey could pass. He could play defense. He could score in the post, like you said. He got the jump shot. He had it all. And that's the reason why the Pistons won that one championship. That's and that, that defense. Yeah, go ahead. You got something else? Um, I like Kyle Lowry, like I said, but his playoff performances, man. If I was a GM this summer, I'm looking at Kyle Lowry. I'm like, what, is, is this going to change? Is something going to happen? Are you going to flip the switch? I'm not signing you to a max contract and you can't produce in the playoffs, man. Oh, yeah. Listen, I'm looking long and hard at that contract and seeing how much money I will give to Kyle Lowry because these playoff performances are abysmal. And I'm sorry, that that counts against that max money. I I don't know. I don't know if I'm I'm giving Kyle Lowry the max. So if you're if you're uh, Toronto's the GM on Toronto, are you re-signing Lowry or are you letting him walk? Letting him walk. They're not taking a chance. You say, I'm letting them walk. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree there. I'm letting them walk. I'm I'm letting Lowry walk. I'm I think that you have the Rosen on the contract now. I think they can upgrade at that point guard position. I really think I I mean I don't see them getting over the hump or getting over the top with Lowry as their point guard. And with him on your books, it might hamper you to to re-sign mm-hmm. someone else that you need that might be more needed and might be more dynamic. For your franchise, so I'm I'm letting Lowry rock. I I agree with you there, Chris. I 100% agree. I'm letting him walk. So definitely, yeah. So next up, 
crossover segment. Sean Marion, the Matrix, Prime Sean Marion, or uh, Andrew Wiggins right now. I'm going to give you the career stats. The Matrix, Sean Marion, 15 a game, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 block, 1 steal, 48% from the floor, 1-time champ, 4-time All-Star. Andrew Wiggins, 20 points a game, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 45% from the floor, and rookie of the year as well. Chris, you taking a prime Wiggins or prime Sean Marion? What you got, Chris? Uh, uh, no. That's what I thought it would be. But, um, I'm taking Sean Marion. Okay. I'm taking Sean Marion. Okay, tell me Everywhere why. Everywhere Sean Marion's been, he was an impact player. Mm-hmm. Even in the latter, even in the latter of his career, he was still producing. Not to the level of what he was producing back in his Dallas days, but to the point to where he's still a serviceable small forward coming off the bench. If LeBron thought he was good enough to play in 2015, he was good enough for my book. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hear that. I, I hear that. Yeah. I'm actually going to disagree with you here, Chris. I'm actually going to go Andrew Wiggins. I think. Andrew Wiggins has the potential to be way better of a player than uh, than the Matrix. I think so far, for his three seasons that he's been in the league, I think he's improved each season. First year, he averaged 16 a game. Second year, he averaged 20 a game. This year, I believe he averaged 23 points per game. And so, to me, that's steady ascension if you're looking at uh, if you're looking at Andrew Wiggins. You know, from a from a just a general basketball perspective, his talent and his skill, I think he has the potential to be uh, a Paul George type, being one of the excellent two way players in the game. And honestly, I think Wiggins has the potential. When it's all said and done, I feel like he has the potential to be a first or second option on a championship team. I can't say the same for the Matrix. The Matrix was more of a serviceable role player, as as you said. I believe he's just a serviceable player, just a decent player, a complimentary piece, as I like to call uh, uh, the Matrix. But Wiggins, I feel like he has a potential to be a second second option on a championship team. That's why I'm going to give him the nod. You think Sean, uh, the Matrix Sean Marion is better than, than Wiggins, Chris? I don't think he's better, okay. but the career line... I really like Wiggins, but I don't know what he's going to be into. I don't know what he's going to turn into. Now, the carry is still out, mm-hmm. but that jump shot and that offensive, it needs some serious work. I mean, now, the mid-range I, you mean? His mid-range? Uh, not his mid-range. His, 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 um, his three-point jump shot. Ah. And just off the... Off the he, I don't know if you really watch a lot of his tape, but he really struggles off... He's a catch-and-shoot, catch-and-pop type of small forward yeah. regardless of score. Yeah. I, I agree. I, he, I mean, he definitely has to improve that three-point shot. I mean, and and say, for instance, now Jimmy's on the squad. Now, he has to improve his standstill three-point shooting ability. He has to if he if he wants to stay in the games for 40 minutes a night. Definitely. He has to. So, I mean, it, I mean, it sounds like you're changing your tune a little bit. Are you, are you sticking with the Matrix or are you, or, or, or you jumping over to Wiggins? Uh, I mean, it's, I'm, it's I'm cool to jump over. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know because Wiggins' game there's a question mark. I don't know what it is right now. Mm-hmm. Sean Marion, I know what I'm getting. I don't know what I'm getting from Andrew Wiggins. Mm-hmm. Am I getting twenty and ten a night? Twenty seven and five? Or I'm getting twelve seven and two? What am I getting? I know what I'm getting from Sean Marion. I don't know what to expect from Andrew Wiggins. That's why I would still pick Sean Marion. Ah, okay. I mean, you can't go wrong. There's no wrong choice. It's all a matter of opinion. I feel like Wiggins, if Wiggins stopped playing today, honestly, I still think he's a better talent than uh, Sean Marion. I mean, maybe it's the form, but I was never a big fan of Sean Marion. He had the mo- one of the most ugliest forms in NBA history. Who has a worse form? Yeah. Than that? Who has a, a worse form than, Sean, than the Matrix? <laughs> uh, I mean, Lonzo's shot isn't ugly, but it definitely looks weird. Like it's, it's not worse than the Matrix. Oh. oh no, it's not. It's not worse, but that's the only shot I can compare it to. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think who has an ugly form. That's hard to kind of think. I mean, I remember uh, Bill Cartwright from Young Bulls. He had a terrible form. Cartwright. My God. 
He did. He still has a horrible jump shot. Um, <laughs> he's a ra- he's a, <laughs> Bill Carmichael to me. Uh, he's a radio announcer for us now. Like oh. last for a minute now. Yeah. And he still got that form. He still got the form, but it's still ugly. <laughs> It's still, it's still treacherous. Trust me. Yo, man. I, I, damn, I forgot about Cartwright. He might have one of the worst forms of all time. I, I give Matrix is the worst. Cartwright is a close second. Worst forms. Uh, oh, man. The terrible. Terrible forms there, man. <laughs> Yo, man. So, <laughs> definitely. So, Chris, so you do, um, at the Shot Town, so you do, uh, the According to Sources podcast, if I'm not correct. If I'm correct, right? That's correct. So, t- so tell the people a little bit about that. That's that's one of my people's, the family from the Shot Town, according to sources. Tell everybody that's on it. Oh, uh, Dre is the editor in chief. Rob and Devin, they've been there way longer than I have. Only during the December. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that jump, we just heard about sports and everything, life, politics, and it really witnessed with my opinion and what I feel. And it's always healthy to have someone around you that has a different opinion. Of course. You hear both sides of the story. Of course. And I feel like with sports, politics-wise, and just American living in general, we all have different opinions, but they all gel together, and we're all respectable of them. And I think that's what that's what people really respect and people like to listen to. I 100% agree. You know, y'all do a great podcast over there. I mean... If you're above the rim listeners, if you don't remember, my man Devin, I think that was episode 18. He's from the uh, According to A2 Sources podcast as well. So y'all do an excellent podcast over there. And uh, I want the people to make sure y'all go check that out. Check that out. I got to get all the brothers from uh, the A2 Sources up here on Above the Rim, man. That's big time. That's big time there. And you you know how uh, how heated our, um, our Twitter threads get <laughs> when we talk man. about <laughs> You and Chet be going at it, man. <laughs> I have to, man. Listen, it's all heated. People always got something to say, man. That's that's how. If it's not a heated debate, feelings are not involved, then it's not a good debate, man. <clears throat> we all big basketball heads there. We all know our basketball back to front, and we're all right when you think about it. It's all a matter of opinion. We're all right in our own way. As long as you can argue your opinion, you're right, in my book. Exactly. I mean, we we all have opinions about different ways of talking about it, with different ways of expressing it. You know. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So that shit. That shit is all fun to me, man. I be laughing when when I see them threads. <laughs> it be like twenty replies at a time. <laughs> yeah, man. He my phone battery. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, man. Definitely. So, Chris, I want to thank you for coming on above the rim, my brother. I appreciate you coming through. I appreciate it, man. Great show. Okay. Keep, what you, keep up what you're doing, there, man. Thank, thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, um, according to Sauce, how how often uh do you do that podcast? It's every week. What? Uh, these last couple of weeks have been kind of sketchy because of our work schedules, but okay. we try to film it. We try to record every. Okay. And uh, we have we have other podcasts on network, the ETNF podcast. Yes. We have a podcast just about movies and games nice. and uh, new releases. Nice. And uh, those are pretty cool. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what I'm talking. So make sure y'all all go check that out. So Chris, once again, I appreciate you coming through, my brother, for Above the Rim episode 21. Appreciate you. Definitely, man. So that's Above the Rim episode 21. And we out.